Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This one is called Go Garment Go because I'm on it with my garment for Perth Festival of Yarn and I'm going to tell you all about it in the podcast. I'm waving, how are you all doing? I hope you're well, I hope you're having fantastic July. It's the 3rd of July as I record and this will be coming out in a couple of days time. Um, yeah, I'm kind of full of beans and energy. Last couple of podcasts I've just been so pushed for time and I felt like I've not been doing my best work. So I've put loads and loads of effort into um, this month's podcast. I've got blogs for you, I've got um, Ravelry posts are up and we've got threads and there's all sorts of stuff that's been going on. So it feels like, um, yeah, it feels like I've put proper effort into the podcast for the first um, time in a, in a few months. So welcome. Right, what have I got for you? Maybe I should tell you my name is Faye if you're a new uh, listener or watcher. Hello. This comes out monthly and it's on video on YouTube and it is also on audio. So it goes out in all the normal places on audio and the show notes can be found um, on the Podbean part which are linked in the drop box below if you're watching on video. And uh, yeah. All the links are there, all the yarns that I'm using, all the patterns, everything that I reference within this podcast, I try and link to within the show notes and add photos as well. By the time that you get to this one, I will have gone back in and added the photos from the last couple of podcasts too. So I will be all up to date, sorted, done, normal service has resumed, at least for this month. Right, what have I got for you this week? I might keep on fiddling with my hair because I've had it chopped a couple of weeks ago and this is the first time I've podcasted with it and I can see myself so it just, it feels a bit weird and I chopped it in parts I thought it might make me stop feeling my hair so much and I don't think that's going to happen. might have the complete opposite effect. Right, crack on Faye, crack on. In this podcast I have got Old Dog New Tricks an update on Perth Project Runway, um, Final Destination, um, En Route, Feeding the Habit, Quick News Beats and J'adore. So let's get going with Old Dog New Tricks. I have a corker for you this month. Um, I came across a blog post that somebody had linked to. Um, it's a blog post in a company called Space Cadet. I think they're American based. I've added links into the show notes and it's all about how you can read a variegated skein of yarn. Let me get one out. So what I have in front of me is one of the skeins of yarn that I'm using in my jumper for the Perth Project Runway project. And it's how you can walk into a yarn shop or go to a vendor at a yarn show, pick up a variegated skein of yarn and be able to look at it. So the first thing you would need to do is actually unravel it. And what I'm going to teach you today is how you can take that unraveled skin of yarn and work out how it would present itself when you've crocheted it up in different stitches. I've done some of the work for you, but if you want to be more accurate, because you might not have the same gauge as me, then you are going to have to do some of the work too. But it will only take you about half an hour and then you will be able to go and look at any skein of variegated yarn and work out what that should mean for you for a specific project that you might have in mind. And it's really clever and it's really quick. So, how do you do it? How did I do it? If you get um, your favourite weight of yarn, I've tested this out for four ply and for double knitting and you get your standard hook size that you would use for that weight of yarn. So for me, four ply, light fingering weight, I would use a three millimetre hook for that. If I was using a double knitting weight, so something about 220 metres, um, 100 grams, up to about 250, and it can be as low as 200, I would use a four or a 4.5 millimetre hook. Um, for this purpose, I used a 4.5 millimetre hook. And for four-ply light fingering, I would say the ones that I tend to use are between about 380 metres per 100 grams up to about 425. And all you need to do is um, chain up 
a little swatch, a really little swatch. And I did it so that I would have 15 stitches and I did two rows of double crochet. I'm using um, UK terminology here. One row of half treble and one row of treble. And then I was able to measure how many centimetres five stitches used. Rather than me going through all of that detail of how I did it, I will um, provide a link in the show notes to the blog that I've created on this because it's really simple to do, but I'll give you all of the details in there instead of here. Um, and then once I'd measured that, I could divide the amount of centimetres that I had used by the five stitches, which was what I was calculating over. And what I came out with, and I was a little bit surprised because it uses more yarn than I thought it might, but um, so if we go for a four ply, first of all, again, remember I've used a three millimetre hook with this. Uh, double crochet, so single crochet US terminology, used between three and three and a half centimetres of um, yarn. A half treble, so half double in US terminology, used between four and a half and five centimetres of yarn. And a treble, um, double in US terminology, uses between six and six and a half centimetres to create that one stitch. That's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I'll quickly go through the DK um, measurements for you as well and then show you how I can read that into a skein. So with a double knit and a double um, crochet, single crochet US, that was five centimetres using a four and a half mil hook. A half treble, half double crochet in US was seven centimetres and a treble, double in US, was nine centimetres. And again, they were all with a four and a half centimetre hook, four and a half millimetre hook. So what does that mean when you go and you're in a shop or you are um, stood at a yarn vendor's table looking at different yarns? Well, first of all, the yarn is most likely going to be skeined up and in which case if you want to open it up you need to ask the shop owner or the vendor because you can't just go about on um, skeining their yarn and hopefully they will say yes and when they do what you want to do is completely untwist it and take a look at where the colour splodges are and the variations. So the one that I'm using as an example is the Baden Sheep's Clothing. This is a colour called Silk that I'm using in my Blurred Lines sweater. And the colour repeats are reasonably short in this. And so let me just take out one of the tealy colours. So I'm looking to see what one strand is and what that means. And when I take my ruler up to it, that one strand with the little bit of teal, so I'm looking to see what the teal will be, is about 11 centimetres. So if I then translate that, because it's a four-ply yarn, if I go back to um, what I've got, so that would give me that little patch of teal that I've got in that um, variegated skein, will give me just under two treble crochet stitches. And then you can start to visualise how that little blob is going to look in my actual crocheted fabric. For a half treble it will give me just over two stitches and for a double crochet it will give me, um, that was three and a half, so about three stitches and double crochet. So I can go in to any skein of yarn and work out how it's going to work for the project that I've got in mind. And it's not a bad thing to go in and see if you can go in and look inside a skein of variegated yarn anyway. Because sometimes there will be little pops of colour in there that you haven't even seen. And if that's a pop of colour that you don't like, then it's not going to be the skein for you. Um, but if you do like it, then great. And you can basically go through and assess. You do need something to be able to measure the centimetres, but you can assess right the way through your skein of yarn whether it's likely to work for the project that you have got in mind or not. Neat trick. Neat, neat trick. And if you want to be really on it, you could then potentially plot that out onto graph paper um, and have a look and see whether you're going to get colour pooling, but that's way more technical. 
um, but it is a potential because you would know how much each stitch is. Now, what I would say is blend of yarn is going to count in this. So if you have got um, standard people that you use, um, so for me I use a lot of Rivernet's um, BFL 4-ply, so I could apply my thinking right the way through that. Um, every time I pick up one of their skeins, I know that the blend is going to be the same because it's 100% Blueface Leicester. But a four ply with a different blend, so for instance, the one that I'm holding up is 50% Cordydale, 50% Mohair, is going to give slightly different results. But it's not, it's not going to change that much. So if I just go into this, thinking three to three and a half centimeters for a double crochet, then I. I know roughly where I'm going to be. Um, what I would suggest is if you're going to do this, take a look at the blog post that I've pulled together. And um, when you've done the work, take a photograph of your different stitches and how many centimetres each one needs with the weights that you've worked it out. And then when you're at a yarn show um, or in a yarn shop, you can bring it up on your phone and you can start to read your skeins of yarn from there. Really, ha really, really handy. So if you don't like big blotches of colour, you're not going to want variegated skeins that have got kind of more than 10 centimetres, I would say, 10, 12 centimetres length of any one colour if you're working with a treble. And if you're working with a double, you're not going to want your um, colour changes to go beyond um, 6 centimetre length. That's in four ply. You would have to then work it out what it would be for double knitting. That might be Cluder's Mud coming over. What I would say is if this is something that interests you, go and read the blog post. I did also video all of this as I was doing it. So you might find that over on um, IGTV on Knit It Hook It on my other um, the company channel that I've popped it up there by Friday, possibly. But definitely the blog post will be live by the time this podcast has gone live. So I'll, I'll have linked to it. All of those measurements also that I took you through are um, in the show notes. I've provided all of them in if you just want a very quick reference guide and you don't want to do the work yourself, then you can use mine as a fairly um, standard gauge. Uh, I mentioned in a podcast a while ago, I've, I've been working really hard on my gauge and I think I'm now closer towards getting what would be a fairly standard gauge for my crochet so feel free to use my measurements as your marker point. Right moving on to Perth Project Runway update and um, where, where was I? I was at Woolen and I closed the votes at midnight on the 13th of June and I did a quick tally up so that any other votes that came in wouldn't affect it and the winner uh, of the five garments that I'd shortlisted and put out to the vote was Blurred Lines by Diane at Day Designs and it won by one vote. The one that was next behind was the Citizen Pullover which is by a designer called um, Kabila Shri Punasami and uh, that was that was a beautiful uh, Tunisian crocheted garment, which I happily would have done as well. But yeah, it, it lost out by one vote. Um, so blurred lines it is. And you may remember from last time I said that I had to close the vote at midnight because on the Friday morning I was seeing Bernie from Bernie Sheep's Clothing and going to pick up the yarn and the special colourway that she had dyed up for me. Let me show you it. So, this is the, the colourway that I wanted. It's called Sprucey Bonus. <laughs> I really love it. So, my brief to Bernie was, can you please make me a blue that has got um, almost like a petroly blue, but it's got elements of teal and grey and that lovely lavender colour that you get, and it's like the blue that you get underneath a spruce tree. If you've ever lifted up your Christmas tree, if you've ever had a spruce Christmas tree, and you look underneath, this is the kind of colour that you get underneath it. And so Bernie took the brief and dyed some up for me, and I'm also pleased to say that she liked the blue so much that she's actually 
put it in as one of her standard colourways now on this base. So it's called Sprucey Bonus. And if you aren't from the UK, that may mean nothing to you. But there was a game show host called Bruce Forsyth. And he had a thing called the Brucey Bonus. So this is the Sprucey Bonus. And the the blend on this is just beautiful. It's a semitonal blue, which means it does have a slight shade shift to it, which I really like. Um, and it is 50% Corridale and 50% Mohair. So what you're getting is lovely soft squish from the Corridale. And the Mohair has got loads of flyaway fibres to it. That's what gives it the halo. And in fact, this new base that Bernie has got is called Corridale Halo. And it's really lovely and it's nice to work with as well. So that's going to be my main colour. And my contrast colour, surprise, surprise, is the one that I've just been talking about for the um, reading your variegated yarns. It's exactly the same base, so I'm going to have continuity throughout the entire garment. And it's a colourway which is called Sulk. It's got a similar um, blue in it as the main colour, so I feel like with blurred lines, because you've got a bit of fading that happens from one colour to the next at the top and at the bottom and down the arms, I wanted to, there to be some relationship between the two colours. I didn't want two really stark colours. I've seen lots of beautiful um, versions of this pattern on Ravelry. However, I wanted something that just blended a little more. Um, and so this has got that blue in it, that um, petrol blue, that sprucey blue, but it also has plummy purples and violets. It's got a little pop of an acid yellow in it. The actual base is more like a peachy pinky ecru colour and it also has a little bit of green in there. Um, they're all very subtle and they all work really nicely together. And the bits where you get the acid yellow is quite often with that um, plummy purple so it's almost like a pansy like um, you know the bright purple pansies that you've got with the yellow centers so it reminds me of that and I think the two are just going to go really beautifully together there was another colorway that Bernie had and it was more of a purpley and yeah I showed this to a few people that were around the event while I was picking and this it was kind of uh, unanimous that Salk was the one that I paired it up with. So we are we are on on it with the Perth Project Runway. If anybody else is looking to make it as well, Crochet Clan member Stasia has actually made I think she's now made two of them and Stasia is uh she won't mind me saying this because we've talked about it often. She's like me. She's quite she's quite busty. And one of the things that Diane has done is provided extra notes to Stasia on um she made a size medium and gave extra notes on how she could add more shaping and more rows in for the bust area. So I'll be looking at Stasia's notes and I'm making a size large. Um, so I, I will kind of go between what Stasia said and work out whether I need to add some more room in or not. So whilst I was at Woolen um, discussing all things uh, Perth Festival of Yarn garment, uh, lovely Catherine, who's... Hello, Catherine. She's often in the global hookups. She's, uh, she's based out of Northern Ireland and she... Well, two things. One... She brought me 15's Northern Irish Delicacy and I was giving them out right, left and centre throughout, throughout the show and they went down an absolute treat and kept us all energised throughout the weekend show. And she also asked whether I was going to do a make-along so that other people could be making garments whilst I'm making my blurred line sweater for Perth. And I wasn't and I said at the beginning of the year that I wasn't going to do any crochet-alongs this year. And I thought, well, there's nothing stopping me doing just a really low-key make-along. So I am. <laughs> um, and when I say low-key, I really mean low-key. So I've added a thread into Ravelry. It's there. I've already popped my project in there and all of the details. 
feel free, add your bits and pieces in there. It's just one thread for your work in progress and your finished objects. There aren't going to be any prizes. It is just like a very, very low-key make-along. You can also use hashtag crochetcirclemal, M-A-L, um, to show on Instagram the progress that you're making. Whips are allowed. It has to be a garment and it can be any craft. So it could be crochet, sewing, knitting, felting, you name it. Whatever you're going to make a garment from go ahead and join in. So you've got until now, until the 7th of September. I nearly said December. That would be a very long make-along. Um, yeah, you've got from now until the 7th of September to join in with the make-along and hopefully that means that you would actually have, depending on what kind of garment you're making, you would have a garment ready for when the weather gets cooler if you're on this side of the hemisphere. Or it could be the other way around. If you're going, um, if you're winter at the moment, then you could be working on a summer garment ready for September. So, like I said, very low-key on Instagram and on Ravelry, but I'd love you to join me and keep me boosted because when Stasia made one of hers, it took her three weeks and I think it was the only thing that she was working on and she was between jobs at that point, so... I'm a little bit concerned about time on getting my blurred lines done. I know that I have got just over two months to do it. But life is flaming busy at the moment. So, yeah, I'm going to have to just keep on speeding up with my hooks and get cracking with it. And it was one of the reasons that I kind of cleared the decks last month and was moving towards a more monogamous way of working. I'm not even doing any knitting at the moment. It's all crochet and it is... Um, it's blurred lines. I'm just trying to make sure that I represent crochet properly and do everything that I signed up to do within this podcast and get there for, for Perth and fly that flag. Moving on to final destinations. Now, because I have been monogamous, um, that means I only have got one thing that I can actually show you. And it's something that I showed as an en route last time round. It is my latest version of the Aria shawl. I was making this in Harvest Shoes, which is John Arbin Textiles. I was using the four ply and the two colours are Russet, which is a really... Um, russety, russet is a great colour name for it. It's a russety brown with orange in it and quite a, um, quite a dark teal with kind of mottled brownie black bits in it. I'm probably not selling that in particularly well. But I really like Aria. Um, it's one of those I love wearing with my big winter jacket. It's a little warm for it today. But it's a triangular front-facing shawl. And it takes um, 200 grams and about 20 grams for the central spine, which are the ones that are in teal. And they basically, it's little triangles that run all the way up the front um, of the the shawl. So you've got really nice detail right at the front. So this is the second, third, fourth one that I've done of this. Um, I was meant to try and get it done for the John Arbin Mill weekend. It just didn't happen. I, I love deadlines, but sometimes I just make them utterly unachievable and then get annoyed with myself when I haven't quite made them. So that is my only finished object for this month. Like I said, I'm not even knitting at the moment, so it's not like that's been taking my space up. It's been this and then straight on to blurred lines. It's a slight fabrication because I did finish off another shawl, um, which is a design in progress, but I'm not going to show you that until I've got it like completely down because it's a one skein shawl and I'm so chuffed with it and the idea that um, you've got a go-to shawl pattern for crochet that only needs one skein and is big enough to wear. I think some of the one skein shawls are just a bit bit titchy um, and so I've been working on this design and really like it but I will share that in a future episode. Needless to say, you might just be hearing an awful lot about blurred lines over the coming um, couple of months because it just needs to take all of my focus. So, 
let's get into that then with en route because let's show you my um, progress. Blurred lines in the size that I'm doing, it needs about 600 grams. So um, three of each and I have probably already crocheted up about 60 grams of my first ball of yarn in the main colour and I've done the ribbing already. So it's top down, it has a crocheted rib and then I've done the short row shaping for the back and now I am on to working in the round and getting the length of the yoke together. So let me just pop it on. I extended the collar a little bit because I didn't want it really close up on my neck and I think the fit is really quite good so far. I like the way it's increased. It's a really, really well written pattern. Um, Diane, you've done a fantastic job on this. And now I've got like the next, I think it's another seven rows to do before I'm even thinking about introducing the second colour. So I shall just keep on going and keep on going. I'm loving the the yarn that I bought from Bernie. It's crocheting up beautifully. And even though it's just in this blue at the moment, it's got an amazing sheen to it and a really lovely luster and like I said it's semi-tonal so although it's a blue you can see little colour shifts in it and shade shifts and I like that it's not just a flat colour sometimes when things have been so saturated you don't get the same depth with it and I definitely feel like I'm getting a depth of colour with the sprucy bonus that I'm on at the moment so again quite hot it's quite a hot day to be wearing um a woolen, a woolen yoke. Um, what else do I need to tell you about it? So if you wanted to follow my progress on Blurred Lines, I've already set up a, um, a project page on Ravori. I'm adding loads of notes that follow the sections or within the pattern. And um, it's called, so if you wanted to find it specifically... It is called Perth Project Runway Blurred Lines and you can find it in Ravelry if you just search for that under um, projects. And I'll be popping bits and pieces up on Instagram, on stories and possibly in the grid as well. So certainly when I get to add in the second colour that will be going up there because I can't wait to see how the two play together um, and show that off a little bit. So because Diane is lovely, she has also offered up some prizes of her pattern. So I want to do this on a really quick turnaround because if you want to then join in with the make-along, you'll need that pattern quickly. So it's going to run for a week from the day this goes live. So from Friday to Friday. And all you can do is add a comment at the bottom of um, YouTube or you can go to the grid photo that I will put up on Instagram to see that episode 44 has gone live. Or there is a Ravelry thread as well. And simply what I want to know is if you're going to make one of Diane's garment patterns, which pattern would it be and which um, yarn would you use for it? What would your colour choices be? And who'd be your favourite dyer to go. And then what we're doing is generating loads of other dyers and yarn brands that people can take a look at. So one week for that, Friday to Friday. So it will close on Friday the 9th, let's say midnight. And then I will pull in who's won patterns on the Saturday. And then hopefully, maybe some of you will be making blurred lines alongside me. That would be really nice. It'd be lovely to be able to support each other because it's a big project like I said it's 600 grams which is I calculated actually how many is it I think it was 2400 yeah 2400 meters potentially that's the most it will be from my six um skeins that's a lot of crochet right it's time to take you through feeding the habit there's quite a lot I have been all over the place. I've been at quite a few yarn shows and some of it is for design. And I am now on a solstice to solstice yarn ban. So what that means is between the 21st of June and the 21st of December, myself and a friend are not buying yarn. 
Um, the only difference is, because we're both designers, is that if we have to get stuff for designs in, then that's allowed. But I don't think that should be the case for me, because um, I think I've got everything that I need for my designs up until December. Um, it also means I might be allowed to buy myself a little special skin of yarn over the Christmas period, which will be quite nice, but my stash is now at a level that it just needs to be uh needs to be worked on a bit. So that's that's my plan is deal with stash, not buy anything. But obviously I've bought stuff before that happens. So let's show you. Obviously you've already seen the bear in sheep's clothing stuff that I have bought for um for doing bloodlines so I won't go through that again there are photos of it up in the show notes there are links to Bernie's um, web shop in the show notes as well and if any of you are heading um, or UK based and are heading to Fibre East Bernie will be there and she will also be at um, Yarn Folk with me as well in um, in August on the 3rd of August so you would be able to get your little paws on some of her Corridale halo at that point so let's remove that out of the equation and pretend that that hasn't happened. So I was at the John Oliver Mill weekend vending and I did say in advance of that that I would be unlikely to step out of that mill without having bought something. I mean, it's not my fault really because... One, it's John Arvin and two, they put on some amazing deals over the mill weekend it's really worth going to even you know on the Saturday morning if you just go to get some of the mill deals so one of the things that they do is they blend up some special ends of line yarn so it might be the ends of tops they get spun up and you get some marled yarns at every mill weekend that you just you will not get any other time you might get little odds and sods of it at different shows where they have a little like special bargain area but at the mill weekend you can get full hanks of the stuff so because I was vending obviously I got first dibs because I was there on the Friday before all the customers turned up on the Saturday and I picked myself up a jumpers quantity so the marl that I got is blue I know I know I know I know I just love blue. I wear it all the time. I'm usually in a pair of jeans and blue just goes with everything. So I buy a lot of blue yarn. <laughs> but this is blue with a, like a dirty cream grey that's marled through it. And it kind of creates a fade. So I saw this on their Instagram account and that was what made me want to do it. So they've faded in from blue to teal and it looks like they've kept the same um, kind of creamy grey as the other marl colour. So I have a bit of a fade potential jumper that goes from blue-grey cream into um, teal-grey cream. And this is a jumper. Basically, I've got enough there. The hanks vary from kind of 130, 120 grams, 100 grams, another 120 grams. So... And it was a bargain. These four hanks I've got, I think in total I've got just over 500 grams, something like that, um, were under £25. That's a, that is a bargain that could not be passed up. So, winter jumper! Um, it's really cheapy as well. I think this might have been based on the Harvest Chews blend as well. But I'm not sure because they don't give you the details. I don't care. I'll be working away on that. So there was that. And then, do you remember I was knitting up a canisp jumper? I showed the um jumper what it should look like as a finished object on the podcast, I think, when I came back from Edinburgh. And for that, I was using the John Arbin textiles, the Romney, some of the special British breeds that they'd done. And I had the undyed Romney, which I've got here, which is kind of a... A mid mushroomy brown and I also had a very light blue that I was using not quite a duck egg blue but really light sky blue Um, I actually finished that jumper and I forgot to take photos of it so I can't show you the finished object and I particularly can't show you it because when I tried it on when I'd finished as is often the case when you have crocheted or knitted a garment 
you've got that really nervous moment when you try it on and it's either going to look amazing on you or you're going to be bitterly disappointed and I was totally in the bitterly disappointed camp. It just didn't suit me whatsoever. Um, so yeah. And I took it down to show uh, John and Juliet. Juliet tried it on and it looked bloody amazing on her and I was just like, keep it. And um, we we had an argument over it and eventually I made her keep it and she wore it all day on the Sunday. So I know she likes it and I know she'll get loads of wear out of it. But um, the argument continued because she then proceeded to bully me into taking... Um, another five skeins back of the Romney so basically swapping out the jumper that I'd just knitted and given to her for me to make something else out of because I didn't the canisp just wasn't for me so um, given that I was bullied into it I thought well what, what can I make with this one and the the next on my list of the five that I'd shortlisted for Perth Yarn Festival was the bark sweater and I really really love that sweater and I want to make it and I think it would look lovely in this Romney in this brown um, mushroomy brown colour so that's what I'm going to make with it um, and I think I'll get a lot more wear out of that than I will would have done with the canis because I think that just would have been put into my wardrobe and put away had I not frogged it I might have frogged that actually um, so so chuffed that Juliet's wearing it and she looks amazing in it and so chuffed that I have got the um, the means to make myself a bark sweater. So I, I kind of didn't pay for this, but I did pay for this in a bizarre turn of events. Um, but it's still coming into my stash, so it needs to be shown to you guys. Then what happened? <laughs> what else did I get? I went to woolen and I was vending at woolen just outside Dublin what an amazing friendly friendly festival I said this to one of the visitors and she just looked at me totted and went sure you're in Ireland like what did you expect we are nothing but friendly here and she was right and I was like yeah fair point fair point I'm in Ireland you guys just know how to be friendly how to have fun how to be approachable it was just such a lovely event um yeah the organizers just pulled out all the stops it was a really well-run event um I had great fun in the marquee I just I was surrounded by loads of lovely vendors met some new people that I'd not yet managed to meet on the UK yarn show scene and I just had an absolute uh, blast and we all went out for dinner um, Lisa lovely Lisa had organized a little crochet clan gathering and um, we all went out for dinner on the Friday night to a place called yarn pizza booze no less like it couldn't have been more perfect for us if we tried and they, they did a they do like a special tasting menu that you can just sign up to and that's what we did and it was absolutely brilliant so yeah I really enjoyed Woolen but I may have brought some more things back from Woolen excuse the crinkle because I continue to have moth issues and I'm trying everything in my power to keep them at bay so You've heard me um, mention this lady before. It is Tara from Irish Artisan Yarns. And she was just round the corner from me where I was vending. And I picked up a skein of Tara's yarn. And it's a one of a kind. And it's on a baby alpaca and silk mix. It's a four ply yarn. And it's 70% baby alpaca, 30% silk. And it has 400 metres. And um, it's... It's Fintra. Now these would not be my normal go-to colours, but this yarn is so soft and so squishy and so luxurious that I wanted colours that would emanate that. And so what this is really light, um, kind of lilac violet, little hints of um grey in there, and almost going into a very light pink. It's very delicate and it's so far <laughs> removed from the sorts of colours that I would normally go to. But like I said, I wanted to reflect that 
um, luxury and delicacy of the actual yarn itself. And one of the reasons I got this is because I want to... Um, the project that I mentioned earlier, the new design that I'm working on, the one skein one, I wanted to try it out in different blends and show it in different colour variations. So going from solid to semitonal to um, variegated and this is um, one of my light variegation options um, from Irish Artisan Yarns. And I really love that um, Tara, although she no longer lives in Northern Ireland, her colourways are all influenced by Northern Ireland, kind of the Antrim coastline. And yeah, if you ever see her stand, um, and again, she's at Fabrist as well, which is at the end of July, and she's at Yarnfolk on the 3rd of August. Um, if you ever see her stand, she will also have photos out showing the um, the the influence behind the colours and it's the photos of, of Northern Ireland. It's beautiful. And she's her and her mum, they're just so lovely. They're such nice people. Um that it's it was nice to be able to support them as well. And she had crochet out on her stand. I think um, my little cupcake Chrissy, you might have had a hand in that. I know you did some uh I think you did some mittens that she had out on the stand and also she had a really beautiful version of spun gold up as well. So that was nice to see. And the other skein that I had what I got from it was a newish to me dyer. Um his name is Daniel and the company is Dye Dye Don. And this is a husband and wife team. So Hannah is an exceptional knitwear designer I've provided links to her side of the business as well in the show notes so much fun these guys were just down from me when I was vending at Woolen really lovely they've they'd come all the way over from Poland I think you will get a chance to see them at Yarndale and if you do please go and see them just lovely lovely people they were bringing us Polish um, goodies food wise um, just really good fun with Hannah and just so nice like such lovely vendors and so I wanted to get a more semi-tonal colour for the same shawl for the one skein shawl and what I plumbed for what I plumbed for is a plummy coloured yarn that I got from them and it's a really nice mix let me just check my notes because I want to get this right so it is the yarn base is called Alpacili and it is 50% alpaca, 25% silk and 25% linen. You, you know how I feel about having linen in a yarn. It gives it a lot of stability and what it really does, because it doesn't dye the same, is it gives you like a silvery feeling, not feeling, but a silvery look throughout the yarn as well. So although it's like a semi-solid you've got this real depth to it because it's got silver through it as well and it feels luxurious and fluffy and just really lovely the colour that I have got is called Passion I've linked to it in the show notes and um, they also ship worldwide so if you wanted to get your hands on some of um, Daniel's yarn you can do that easily but like I say Yarn Deal, I will be going back for another squish of this. And I hope to have the pattern done for Yarn Deal as well because um, I'd love to go back and show Hannah and Daniel what I've done with their yarn. It's it's just really lovely. And I was playing with this on the ferry back from Dublin. It's really nice to work with. Um, So that's everything that I bought at Willen. But I was also given some things. Let me show you what I was given. Little surprise from Sophie, who um, is Sophie Swan on Instagram and also has the a Spring Snowflake podcast. Um, and she had made bags for people for some of, um, some of her crochet and knitting buddies. And I got to choose. So I chose the one which has... Um, little coffee shops and patisseries and cafes and bicycles on it um, really nice uh, little bag with a little drawstring handle as well and poppers because I love a bag with poppers so thank you for that Sophie it has been in use already 
And um, I have another bag, which I was given by glorious, glorious Marceline from the Hey Brown Betty podcast. Now, let me take the tin out because that's going to rattle when I show the bag off. But it came with a little tin with some stitch markers in, which are all ocean related because Marceline lives um, by the ocean in Florida. And when I saw Mars at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, we made an agreement because we're both trying to get better at sewing things. And we made an agreement that at some point in the future, we would send each other a bag that we'd sew a project bag and, and do a swap on it. And then uh, at a later date, it transpired that the um, the team behind Woolen had asked Marceline to come over from Florida and vlog the event. Um, and so when I discovered this, I said we kind of agreed and said, well, let's swap our project bags when we get to Woolen, because she knew I was vending there. So I, uh, I managed to pass... Mars over a Scottish tweed project bag that I had with some denim fabric um, for the inner uh, which I really like I poured loads of love into making that bag for her and I'd even laser cut a little tag that said hey brown berry on it for her because <laughs> I'm that spawny and Mars made me all the colours that I love it's a very autumnal looking bag with a brown bottom brown plain bottom and then um, uh, birds on it going through kind of a nature scene of really quite vibrant orangey yellow print flowers and seed heads and it's lovely double drawstring little tag of leather and she filled it up with because she knows that I'm learning to spin as well little um, mill end bits from spin cycle which are American wools and um, so I have 26 grams of loads of different colours, proper fistful of fibre that I can try spinning as well. And they all kind of go with the bag too. So that was that was lovely. And it was a lovely moment to be able to do that bag swap with uh, with Mars because we'd signed up to it at Edinburgh. So and I know she liked her bag as well. That I'd done her. Um, yeah, was, that was a really nice moment for me at Woolen. I was shattered. <laughs> I was absolutely uh, shattered by the time I'd done the setup on the Thursday night. Um, yeah, so that just that pulled me right back up. So I just have one more thing that I want to show you, which is a little bit different, but I think it will be of interest. Last weekend... I was up at Woolfest, which is a yarn festival in Cumbria. I wasn't vending it as me. I was helping out my friend Lynn um, Roberts, who is a, a silverware designer. So she makes um, the silverware crochet hooks. You'll have seen me mention it on the podcast before. And she does all sorts of crafting notions. She had the very valid excuse of um, her son getting married on the Saturday. So myself and my friend Annabelle went up and we covered her stand for her. And on the way up, we stopped at a place called Blackwell Arts and Crafts House. This place is stunning. It is an amazing example of the arts and crafts movement in a very specific period of, um, of history, basically the Art Nouveau style. The wall freezes, the fireplaces, the entire house was designed within that movement and all of the interiors as well. And it's incredible. It's just off the shores of Lake Windermere. And if you're ever in Cumbria, it's very much worth a visit. They've got a lovely cafe as well, did gorgeous food. And you can sit outside just watching life on Lake Windermere as you're sat there. And of course, as is, you know, obligatory, it has a wee gifty shoppy. And inside the gifty shoppy was a book called Simply Stitched. And it is by a Japanese embroiderer. I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try my best, called Yumiko Higuchi. And the whole premise of the stitches used and the um, yarn used is that it's about using up ends of wool. So it's for wool and cotton in particular, rather than your kind of linen threads. And some of the motifs are just absolutely 
beautiful. If I can find it, there is a really nice thistle one. Um, it's it's just lovely, and I love the idea that it's just a chance to use up those final little bits and pieces that you might have from the end of a project. And not only does it give you the stitches, but it also takes you through the project, so you've got the sewing elements to it as well. It's a really beautiful book. I came across it because my friend had been at Blackwell Arts and Crafts house a couple of weeks before and she showed me this book when we went to um, spinning class last week and um, it was an immediate right, I'm, I'm going there on the way up through the lakes because I want that book. And it was a really good price as well, I think it was twelve ninety nine. I could have got it on Amazon but I wanted to go and support the house and support the restoration and ongoing conservation of a piece of Britain's history rather than just give my money to Amazon. So I was I was more than happy to pay out a little bit more money. And let me just show you one of the things that the one of the projects within this book is bee bunting. So it looks like it's linen bunting um that they've made and then there's a bee motif which is lovely. So if you had bright mustardy yellow wool and some black wool you could easily recreate this motif. I've added links again to this into the show notes and also to um, Blackwall Arts and Crafts House because, like I said, if you're up that way, what an inspirational place and it's it's beautiful. It's been so well preserved, um, well worth having a look. It was it was, I really enjoyed having a walk around the house and so did Annabelle. So that's it for Feeding the Habit. And if I'm true to my word, that will be a section that I'm not adding to. But what I might do instead is shop my stash and show you some of the bits and pieces that are in my stash instead and look at some of the future projects and assign the stash into projects that I want to make. So I might try and keep Feeding the Habit in as a section but I might change it to shop the stash instead just until the end of December because I want to use up some of those glorious yarns that are already sat there rather than add to it. It does also mean that when I go to Yarndale this year, I'm not buying wool. I'm not buying yarn. I might buy other bits and pieces, but if if any of you see me with skeins of yarn that I have bought, feel free to tell me off and give me a flaming good talking to you because that should not be what's happening. Um, so yeah, on it. Not going to. So, on to quick news beats. Um, I've set the next set of dates for Global Hookups um, right the way up to the end of the year. I have already added them into Ravelry because I am on it this podcast <laughs> um, so basically we're looking at July is the 20th and 21st August the 17th and 18th September 21st and 22nd October 19th and 20th November 23rd and 24th and December the 14th and 15th we're going to stick to the same timings which is um, it will start at 8 o'clock um, GMT or BST on the Saturday night and nine o'clock in the morning GMT or BST on the Sunday morning. It's re- like if you've ever had any concerns about going in and being part of the hookup, please just come and join us. We have lots of people that do it and just keep their um, audio off until they're comfortable or keep their video off. We had somebody last time round who came in halfway through because they felt comfortable enough being in with the group. And we also had, on the Sunday morning, Joe joined us. And Joe, hello, is a 14-year-old um, crocheter and he came and joined us for the Global Hookup as well. Now, I would say, if you are younger and you watch the podcast, then probably the Sunday morning hookup is a better one to come to because the the Saturday night one can be a little bit rowdier and a little bit more sweary so the Sunday morning one is generally a bit um well it's a little bit better behaved that's usually because Claudia comes in on the sun on the Saturday night one and she is trouble (laughs) Claudia you know you are just accept it you are troublesome (laughs) um the next thing to tell you about in quick news beats 
is that Lisa and Sophie, who have um, been working hard on the craft bank, have also set up a gift along. And the premise is that you sign up to it, you go to the group on Ravelry, there's a link there. It's a very quick um, form that you fill in online and it says whether you want to embroider, knit, crochet, what kind of craft it is that you want to make a gift from. I know that they also said that dyeing a skin of yarn and passing that on to somebody is an, an acceptable gift. And then you have to send it to your partner by the end of the year. And I think you've got until the end of August for you to sign up to this and then they will pair you up with your partner. So the whole idea is that you can make something for somebody else and just spread a little bit of happiness and love. I have already signed up to it. I've signed up to mail mine within the UK, but you can choose um, within the UK, out to Europe or rest of the world. So you get to choose what your kind of um cost is to that as well. So come and sign up. You might get me as your partner, in which case I'm sorry because you're getting a dodgy bag. <laughs> um, what else do I need to tell you? I've got a few more yarn shows coming up that I am vending at. The next one that I need to tell you about is Yarn Folk in Northern Ireland, which is just, it's one of my favourites. It's the third year running that I will have done it. It's good fun. It's really chilled out. It's not like a big Sometimes at yarn shows, you get a lot of the kind of knitterati there, and that's not my cup of tea. And yarn folk is the opposite end of that. It's not full of the uh, the yarn world's most known people. It's just really chilled out, and you get fifteens Irish delicacy, and it's just full of lovely people. It's very low key, very easy going, and what Louise does, who um runs a yarn show is she gets local instructors and people that are known to her to deliver the workshops um yeah i'm looking forward to that one third of august you can get there by train and um, from belfast and it's also when the food and drink festival is on in whitehead as well so there's loads of live music you can go and sit in the cafes and pubs and there'll be people playing music one of them will be Matthew because last year he got commandeered. Somebody lent him a guitar. He stopped helping me with the setup, and he just went and jammed and played music all day long and had a right old time of it. So I've said to him this year, are you going to come and help me? He was like, well, unless I get invited to go and jam and play music with folk, in which case I'll be off doing that drinking beer. So yeah, you might just see Matthew. If you're coming along, you might just see Matthew in a pub playing music and I'll be off vending, you know, actually working. Um, yeah, and the other thing that I need to tell you, because every time I wait it, somebody asks me, but the, um, no good if you're on audio, the top that I'm wearing today is a crochet top. It's called Liala and the design is by Marie Wallen. It's available on the Ravelry website, but you have to sign up um, to their like subscription list to be able to access it as a free pattern really quick to make and the yarn sadly is no longer available but it was um it was a four ply yarn when Jeanette Sloan had her own um yarn out this was this was one of her yarns it was the four ply and sadly she doesn't do yarn anymore but um you might see it elsewhere sometimes you might be able to get it on a stash on Ravelry it was really lovely to work with it was an alpaca but look for Jeanette Sloan's um yarn because that's what it was we're on to Jador and I have two little Jadors um the first one is that on our way up to Cumbria we were staying with friends of Annabelle's and they took us to um, go and have a picnic on the Thursday night after we'd done the setup for Woolfest and they took us to Dermot Water. Um, Sadie and Andrew are really active, like physically active, outdoorsy people. They go walking up mountains, they do a lot of wild swimming and um, before the picnic they wanted to go and do a quite a big swim in the lake and they, I had I had been pre-warned this might be the case, and so I took up my um, took up my cosy, and I went swimming in Dermot Water, and I had a ball. Um, I'd forgotten how much I love it, and I'd actually forgotten that 
I used to do it as well. You know, I grew up by the seaside. We used to go swimming in the sea no matter uh, what the weather. And I used to go and do um, other wild swimming as well. And it just had completely left me that I did that. And I just, I loved being in the water. I was such a water baby when I was younger. And I just had a great time. So I've been eyeing up where I could go wild swimming locally. And I don't have that many options all the more reason to move to the seaside. However, the other thing that I adore is my papa bear, my dad. Um, I think you've heard me complain many, many times that he and Matthew have like such a great bromance between them that uh, sometimes I just get shelved and sidelined. And um, a couple of last couple of times I've seen my dad, he said, "Oh, I'll need to arrange something for you and I to go and do together." And I was just like. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. And um, he phoned me up the other week and he's planned his next trip to Iceland in uh, November and he'd already sorted out all the self-catering accommodation, the car rental, everything. And he said, if you can afford your flight, it should be less than £100. You can, do you want to come and join me in Iceland for a week? <laughs> I'm going to Iceland! I love Iceland. Um, it's an amazing country to go and visit. It's there's so much to see and do, and my dad's got to a point where he's been out there so many times now, and he knows the area so well. But he's got nobody to go and share it with. It's not the kind of holiday my mum wants to go and do, and so he wants to share it, and he wants to share it with me. I'm down with that. But one of the very special things about Iceland is it has got so much geothermal activity that it has loads of little hot pots, which is just a um, natural or man-made little hole in the ground filled with lovely warm water because of the geothermal activity. And you can go for a plunge in it. But they also have some really amazing remote outdoor swimming pools. Given that I've just told you that I also adore uh, wild swimming, I uh, spoke to my dad last night. He was asking what I want to add on to our Iceland itinerary. And so what I've added on is some wild swimming. One of the places I want to go to, you have to have a 4 by 4 just to get up to the car park. And then it's a 20 minute hike up to the swimming pool. I will be bringing you along for that journey because I'm doing it. It's even got a changing room on the side of the hill. There's a changing room and hot showers, again, geothermal activity. Um, so I'm going to be swimming on the side of a hill, stroke mountain, stroke glacier. And I'll record it. I'll show you everything that goes on with my little Iceland adventure in November. He's a good daddy, really. I know he loves Matthew, but he might just love me slightly more. He didn't invite Matthew, he only invited me. He does love me. <laughs> right, I think that might be it. That is it, we are done. Um, I will next be back on the 2nd of August. And to be honest, that podcast might come out just a few days earlier because I travel on the Thursday over to Ireland to get to Yarnfolk and um, it'll just be too hectic trying to upload it all from Ireland so it might come out a couple of days earlier or I might just put it on a timer but I don't always trust that I don't always trust YouTube to be honest it can be just a bit of a git at times um right I'm waffling now I'm good to go I will see you in August when I have bought nothing yeah when I have bought nothing I hope you're all having a fabby time enjoy your summer for those that are in summertime and I shall see you very soon. Bye-bye. is in the frame
Other wounding bat. <clears throat> it's probably best to not have seeds in my teeth. It's not difficult. You've done this 43 times before. Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. Stop fiddling, stop fidgeting, stop being an idiot. No, other one, you total 